so today I'm going to be experimenting a little bit. Uh, I'm talking with Bacon Blitz today, and um, we did want to do, like, he did want to do face cam, so it's like I'm just going to have a little short section here before the um, actual browsers and whatnot. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself, Bacon Blitz. Hi, I'm Bacon Blitz. You can call me Bacon, Will, whatever you want to call me. I have been a prominent member of the TF2 community for about 13 years, and I am currently doing content creation above all, but I still do dabble in the competitive community here and there. I'm actually attending, uh, what was it called? Uh, Philly LAN. I forgot exactly what it's called, actually. <laughs> Resup.gg. I'm, I'm attending that LAN event in June with, uh, with Blizz Tank and uh, Nomi here. Actually, yeah, I'm the manager of the PR department for Bacon Blitz Incorporated. Pretty much. He's pretty much been my plus one to the entire YouTube thing ever since I started to gain relevance in early 2021. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I have you on here today. I wanted to talk about a lot about just, like, your sorts of experiences with your friend, your intro into content creation and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what the... F what is... <laughs> I don't know if you can see this or not, but, like... On Discord, the face cam thing is like totally glitching out. Like for me, like uh, it's showing my screen kind of like fading in and out. Oh no! <laughs> not sure yeah, if that's it... something you could see or not. Mm -mm, I can't see it. My my face cam is entirely fine on my end. No, I mean my face cam. Oh no, you're just fine. Hmm. What? Ah, uh, that is mildly disconcerting. <laughs> Anyways, carry on. Back to we're so professional. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh. What got you started in Team Fortress 2? I started playing Team Fortress 2 in late 2009. I was seven years old, so I, that's that's when it really began. Uh, I lived with my father and my mother in a really small, uh, just two-bedroom apartment in Bedford, Texas. And my dad gave me this computer that he didn't want from work. So he said, like, you can just put all these like emulators for like Super Nintendo games or Game Boy games on it. And you can play that. But he never let me have internet access. But something that he didn't realize is that I knew how ethernet cords worked. So I had one running through the walls without him knowing. And I was connected to Steam, and that's where I began playing Team Fortress 2. Very shortly after, I actually got into the competitive side of things by joining a very, very early ESCA team. Uh, and that's where I kind of picked up just playing video games competitively in general. It's kind of branched off into other games like Overwatch, dabbled a little bit in Call of Duty... Uh, did a little bit of, um, what was it called? Uh, <laughs> League of Legends, which isn't a shooter, but you know, it's still like a game <laughs> that I played pseudo competitively for a little bit of time. But uh, I played with the same account for about three years and it got fished off me because I was an idiot. And then I started my new account, which is where I've been playing since then. Overall, I think I've put maybe over 10,000 hours into the game over the past 13 years. All right, and uh, yeah, so you've gone to a lot of lands before, right? You've done a lot of content creation. You have your best friend here, so that's obviously a lot of sort of like community aspects yeah. we can touch upon. Yeah, I've been to five different events. Uh, I went to Rewind One, Rewind Two. Uh, I traveled to Birmingham for both or for all three of these: uh, I fifty five, I fifty eight, I sixty one. All right, I was, going, I was going to attend I sixty three. But school started a little earlier that year, so it got in the way. Right. Sucks. Yeah. So that's definitely something we'll get back to in a bit, just sort of things I went to touch upon to begin with. Um, so you said you wanted to talk about some of your life experiences, right? Yeah. Before just kind of what, what brought me into TF2, what dragged me away, what sometimes brought me back into it, how TF2 affected my personal life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, growing up, I lived in a bit of a one-sided household 
uh, my father wasn't very much present. Well, he, while he was like in the house, he never really interacted with me or my mom or my brother, which is stuff that I didn't learn until very later on because I was a kid. I didn't know anything. When I was 13, my parents divorced. Um, and that's when he started to get more involved. But my father, I, I mentioned this and it's relevant because the one thing that my father and I did bond over was Team Fortress 2. Uh, and he got me into it and just source games in general. And I feel like that was the only way I could truly ever bond with him was over video games. So initially, my descent into playing TF2 was to just try and have something in common with him. And I just fell in love with the game on my own. So uh, it just kind of turned into that. Man, my father doesn't give a shit for TF2 nowadays, but at least our relationship is stronger hmm. than it's ever been. And what was it like back then? Was it a really nice way to connect with him? Um, uh, we never really played together, but he would sit there and watch me play sometimes. I would sit there and watch him play. Uh, he played a lot of Demo Man. He was not very good at it. <laughs> Did he try and main call in pubs? No, he wouldn't. He would get, he would get very mad at people in pubs, which I think is where I got that for a little bit. I used, I went through like this phase where I would like. I would like call everyone just so stupid in pubs and everything like that because I thought like winning this pub match of Team Fortress 2 <laughs> matters. This is important, you know. Who are these players? They <laughs> don't <laughs> use. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. This is where divorce leads kids. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Divorce leads kids to the worst places, and it's just TF2. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know a single person that plays TF2 whose parents are happily married or alive. Actually, mine aren't happily married. <laughs> There we go. For now. No, no, they aren't. They aren't. Just goes to show. Oh, okay. Your theory has validity to it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, It's just, yeah, it's what I did to try to hang out with my father, and I ended up just loving it anyway. So it's been a big part of me. I've met, I've bonded with some of my best friends over TF2, like Blake here. Um, My two other best friends, Matthew and Jason, we play TF2 so much together. I got Jason into TF2 back in 2015, and that's how we really, really started to connect. Um, and it's just been like a medium for like me and my friends to just hang out, kick back, play some TF2, just have a good time, laugh. Because so many funny things can happen in TF2. I feel like that's why it's my favorite game, because it right. covers all the aspects of what I like about video games. I like to laugh. I like to compete. I like to just kick back and chill while my brain goes on autopilot, and I yeah. can do that with all of the with like TF2. I want to say something TF2 definitely does well is like just in that sense of being able to chill and have so much fun is that it basically re- it gives you a tool set, right, a basic tool set, but then it gives you so many options to define yourself as a person and as a player, like both casually and in competitive, based off that tool set, right? It's not like something like Overwatch where it's just like the character entirely yeah. defines you. You get to really individualize it, right? Yeah, I, I, I know it's kind of weird to say, but I feel like TF2 in a way did raise me. I met a lot of people from TF2, like in real life, like, which is odd. I remember mm. my parents telling me when I was younger, don't meet strangers off the internet. <laughs> yep. and now I do that for fun with my free time and it's really great. Uh, but it really helped define certain key parts of my personality. My outgoing extrovertedness stems from me becoming a content creator, which I very much attribute to my success in trying to do more things. Like I'm trying to get into more vocal work. Uh, I'm trying to get up in positions in my job. I'm trying to get on TV, which I have an interview for later this month, actually. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting. What's it on? Uh, 
Uh, it is the it's a game show called The Chase. It's like a trivia quiz show where I can just earn a shitload of money for knowing mm. random trivial stuff. We but should, um, you know, we should get on that as well. <laughs> Send all the TF2 players. Oh no, TF2 game show, TF2 reality TV. Hmm? Yeah, you should just you turn these interviews into uh, trivia questions about TF2. Battle Royale. Oh yeah, just give me a trivia question about TF2, I can probably answer it. Because it was all a right. cringe little subtitle, I called myself the TF2 historian, because part of like what I needed to grow as a YouTuber at first was like, I need like a name that is to me, so people can know right. me as more than just Bacon Blitz. They can know me as Bacon Blitz, Bacon Blitz, that the TF2 historian, that TF2 guy that knows way too much and talks right. way too fucking fast. Like, I get so many comments saying I sound like Ant Venom because I talk too fast. Hey, I love talking too fast. It's great. It's just what I do. Um, it's what I've grown to be. I've learned to like slow down a little more so I can enunciate better and thus just speak better, which has been really good. It's definitely made me a lot more understandable of a person. Hmm. But you know. So you'd say it's definitely like helped your social skills to sort of do content creation in that sense. Yeah, I feel like I'm a lot more outgoing than I was in like early high school. In early high school, I was a socially inept weirdo that would sit in the back of class watching YouTube instead of doing his work. And then by the end of high school, um, after I had gone to so many lands, I had made a couple videos here and there that gained some prevalence. Uh, and I just kind of became a lot more chatty, upbeat, outgoing. I had a lot of friends. I made the connections between me and my friends that mattered a lot a lot stronger. Sorry. Um, no, sorry. And then, like, in early 2021, my YouTube channel kicked off. Now I have 10,000 subscribers, and I'm projecting to have even more after I get these, like, serious videos out that people like watching. Because, like, my main content is, like, 8 to 10 minute long videos about the history of TF2 or just, like, little trivial parts of TF2. Uh, my most popular video has over 300,000 views. And, and what was that video on? Uh, it was about TF2 items that you can no longer obtain. Uh, just some items that I had in the back of my mind that I realized you can't get these anymore in any way. Like, uh, the promotional salmon max items, the trivia, the, not trivia, sorry, the poker night items that you can't get anymore because they're not on steam anymore. Uh, just promotional hats, like the bills hat, uh, the max's head, the earbuds, stuff like that. And hmm. people found that interesting All so right. much so that they begged me for a part two, which I made. Go on display that. Yeah. Just give an example of some of the items. So, um, you said to ask you a trivia question, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Just ask okay. whatever you want about TF2. What's a hidden stat about the thermal thruster? <laughs> the thermal thruster, it's... Uh, hidden stat. It's pull-out time. Hmm. I'm sorry. What's that? It's holster time. Sorry, pull-out time. Hmm. It's holster time is slower. Hmm. The one I was going to go for is uh, the increased knockback you have from just having the weapon on your loadout set. Which really ends up making it just so much more interesting to use, because you'll just be surfing damage out of the ball zoo. Yeah, that's that's just that's, that just helps your movement, but you're never gonna need yeah. it because the time that you've like taken all that damage, you're probably oh no, I definitely say like from my experience in Highlander, I actually helped a ton. No, for like just actually using it, but um, yeah, okay. So that's is that like something you talked about at all on your channel? Something you discussed? Uh, hidden stats? No. But I talked about, I had a video where I talked about really overpowered weapons, like certain weapons that stuck out in my mind as the most powerful for a certain time, like when the short circuit could rapid fire, like projectile-delating <gasps> bullets, uh, when the lock and load was very prevalent for being extremely overpowered and it was banned in almost every competitive format that existed. Um, I forgot what else I talked about in that video. I talked about, 
I don't know. I talked about balance and talking about game balance can go one of two ways on my channel. Either it can go great or it can get me doxed. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's happened. That, yes. That, okay. I made a video that I very bluntly titled sniper is not overpowered because I'm under the impression <clears throat> that the sniper is not an overpowered class. I think the idea that he is, is ridiculous. I can see why it's annoying to fight a good sniper because a good sniper is going to be good anywhere. Hmm. Always. Just right. like, just like anybody on any class that is very good at their class is going to be bad anywhere. Like the idea that like really fast, like quick scopes is overpowered is ridiculous. Cause that never happens. It's like saying soldiers that can air shot are overpowered. Okay. So, it's um, the same argument. what did this, like what, in what sort of sense did this video cover? Was it like a purely casual sort of thing? Did it cover like sixes Highlander as well? To talk about that, I have to talk about another video that I made. Okay, where I talked about go ahead. Why heavy is the worst class in the game. That video is long past unlisted because that video was just shit, but I still stand by what I said in that video. <laughs> you want to send me that one? Uh, sure. I'll send that in a tiny bit. I had a cool uh, edit at the beginning. Yeah, kind of. I, I, liked, I liked that video. But the thing with that video that I didn't like is that i forgot to mention that i was talking from a strictly competitive standpoint oh. while, while contrarily uh my sniper video was talking about a purely casual standpoint and i made that very very clear in the video that i am not talking about competitive formats whatsoever while it's the same idea i want to appeal to the mass group of people that watch my videos which is primarily casual tf2 players right. i'm not talking to a bunch of invite or like uh high advanced like highlander players or anything like that i'm not talking to like x pros i'm just talking to people that just like to play the game you know okay so what was it like when you just started receiving some of that negative feedback like i feel like it's the sort of thing you hear about but then it was it's... expected oh really it was very much expect i knew people would disagree and i knew the video would get a lot of dislikes so I it started getting a lot of dislikes before people even watched the video, which is just, that's just how people are. I can't complain about that. And I had some genuinely intriguing comments try and argue back. Well, obviously I could argue back to them with my viewpoint. Uh, they were still like trying to strike up like a debate, but there were some people in the comments that were just like, kill yourself, snipers overpowered, cope, 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 cope. <laughs> and that just tells me all I need to know about who they are as a person and just how good they are at the game. Mm, okay. So, uh, then it kind of took a turn, and this was a little bit of a dark period in my life. I won't get too into detail about the exact specifics of what happened from, like, uh, September to, like, last month. I had a couple of very big tragedies happen in my life. Somebody doxed me and then threatened, like, just sent me death threats. Like, exact address, apartment and everything. Wow. That wigs, that wigs me out. So I kind of went silent on YouTube and I didn't upload for months. Um, I had a very close friend of mine pass away due to COVID, and that just hit me really hard. And so I made a video, a very short two-minute video talking from the heart, talking about why I won't be making TF2 content for the time being. And it was mostly well-received, but there was one specific comment that got under my skin and really, really broke me for a couple days. Like, I couldn't get out of bed. It fucked with me super hard. Uh, the comment read... Uh, not exact quotation because I deleted it and I don't want anything to do with it anymore. But they said, I don't give a shit about the way you feel. You are content to me. You are nothing more and you will never be anything more. And that hurt. I made it a point when people send me comments, even if they're like super supportive, I won't take that fully to heart because they don't know everything about me. 
they don't know everything about who I am, what makes me a person. I Because I am. I'm just a content creator. And I'll output what I feel comfortable outputting. I felt comfortable talking about my issues in real life at the time. But that comment hit me so hard, I had to full stop. I stopped playing TF2. I stopped making videos. I dropped out of every competitive league that I was doing. I, I stopped. And I couldn't bring myself to pick it back up for another couple of months. And I'm glad I did because I feel like I was getting burnt out and I just wasn't noticing. Okay. But nowadays I'm doing a lot better, uh, both mentally, physically too. Uh, I've, I, I have this new job. that's pretty much like being paid to go to the gym. So it's been based. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, excuse me. Drink tea. That's it. <laughs> so what kind of tea? It's, it's just like, uh, uh, Sweet tea, oh, sweet okay. tea, Texas, Texas thing. As you're um, saying, what's up? Oh, as you're saying, sorry, yeah, fast, sorry. fast speak. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I got back into it and I'm very happy because the response to me coming back made me cry. I won't, I, I sat there and I cried happy tears for about five minutes because I uploaded a video that got like, couple, it has like a, what, something like a 10,000 views, it wasn't too many views. But it was pretty much just me announcing, not really announcing, but like it was implied that I was coming back to making content. And I got like Steam DMs. I got like friend requests on Steam. I had people talking to me, recognizing me in pubs, saying like, hey man, it's great to have you back. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad everyone's really, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad everything's okay. I had to sit there and realize this community gives a shit about me. And I'm like known in this community. People care. And it may, I may not be like the most subscribed to youtuber on the platform for tf2 by a long shot i only have like eleven thousand subscribers at the moment but yeah to know that those eleven thousand people know who i am and give enough of a shit about me to follow up on my mental health it, it means a lot it's it's definitely helped my growth because i feel like my growth in the past half a year is probably the most growth that i've done in a long time so what do you say that just like being a part of that community has like really helped to just like define yourself as a person and impact your life. It's helped spearhead my development as a young man. And I feel like it's definitely helped me more than most other ways that I've tried to get past hardship has. Mm, okay. And so what got you to start out initially with it, right? Like what was your motivation to sort of become the TF2 historian? Uh, I was depressed. And I felt like one good way to vent out my depression was to use my creative output. I was prominent and competent at editing. I was good at talking. I was good at script writing. And I knew a lot about TF2. So I said, I'll make a video that talks about maps that nobody plays in TF2 anymore. The lost maps of TF2. That was my first video that actually got like mainstream attention. Mainstream as in like 60,000 views. And people were subscribing at a rapid pace. And like in a week I was at a thousand subscribers and I was like, whoa, I can do this. So I kept going. I made a video every week and like, you know, I like was just pumping out ideas left and right about good videos that I could make about things that I like about the game. I made a video talking about the in-game competitive system, how to fix it, uh, lost maps, uh, items you can't obtain, most overpowered items. Uh, I made, I, I dabbled in like some like really ADHD type, like funny editing videos that are honestly underrated as fuck. I have like this one video on my channel that has like 2000 views that deserves like 
way, way, way more. It's, I love that video. I put so much time into that video and I feel like it needs to be seen more. <laughs> and what's that video on? It's the video that's, uh, like the, the front page video on my channel. The, uh, engineer is NG here. Ah, I love okay. that video. That's a, that's a, that's a banger video that did not get enough attention. All right. Right. So yeah, I also have to spend like 60 hours being a pocket medic for that video. <laughs> no, 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 it, no, it wasn't that video. It was the uh, Huntsman video that you were a pocket medic for. Exactly. Which, so, is, which, is, which is another underrated video. So how did it impact your like sort of connections with people online and in person? Was it a sort of thing where it's like impacted your existing friendships? If so, how? Like what sort of results did it have? IRL? Uh, my friend Matthew specifically was there for me all the way, like hyping me up every day, like, bro, you're getting so many subscribers. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I am. And he's like, bro, this is a big deal. You could be something big. And that's, I guess, what I strive to be. I strive to be something bigger because I know there are people that know I can do it. So I thought, yeah, I'll push for it. I've had Blake here helping me with so many different video projects, just being there in videos. He's honestly like the funniest person I know. That's like where <laughs> 95% of my humor has come from. So Humor algorithms. <sighs> So it sounds, it sounds like it really helped be like a support system for you. Yeah, definitely. In the time that I think I needed it the most. Okay. So, okay. Is there anything you really regret? Like, do you have like a biggest regret as a content creator? Some like a mistake you think you've made? Taking a gambling sponsorship. Ooh. I took a gambling website sponsorship because I thought eh, it's not that bad. But then I noticed that there was a big backlash for it. And I was like, you're right. I cut ties with the guy who got me the sponsorship and I didn't look back. I just said, I was just straight up. I was like, oh, it seems like a lot of people don't like the sponsorship. I understand. It won't happen again. So okay. it won't happen again. I think that's my only real regret. That and not continuing to strike the iron when it was hot because like oh. I shouldn't I shouldn't have let that mental collapse happen. I should have just continued forward making content. Mm. Did... Sorry. This... sorry, no, I'm sorry. No, uh, continue. Was... I remember I felt so bad stopping making content because there was one instance in particular. This guy, I was streaming on YouTube. And I had about a hundred viewers at the time. And this guy came in and sent me a donation for $3. And he said, hey, man, it's not a lot, but it's all I got. I want you to know that I've been watching your videos to keep myself happy because I've been really depressed. My younger brother died earlier this week, and your videos have been helping me a lot. I had to pause the stream and bawl my eyes out because I knew that I was that, like, beacon for someone. That made me just so happy to know that i was doing that for someone it, it, it was a it was like a knife in my heart to know that i was letting people down not making content i guess that's one of my main driving factors as to why i make videos why i do what i do why i try to make people happy mm. because other people's happiness is very important to me like right. obviously i'm not gonna let it like cloud what's most important which is like you know keeping myself afloat because if i can't keep myself afloat i can't help other people i need to like make that little mental sacrifice to know that it's okay to be a little selfish sometimes just to make sure you can help other people. Right. Um, so do you think maybe that's like at a certain point an unreal, like an unhealthy expectation that would sort of negatively impact you though? 
I feel like if it ever became an unhealthy thing, like I was straining myself too hard, I'd honestly like let my viewers know about it, like saying like, hey, I need like a, just a little break to step back and like detox, you know, make sure everything's okay so I can continue making content. Like I'll, I'll be I'll be straight up and like say like I need a break if I need a break. So I, I've, I've taken small breaks before. Like I, I skipped like a week of making a video just to like go to a funeral or to like just relax for a week. Right. So do you think maybe it's just like you regret like maybe your regret in that sense is just like not being able to like use your support system like to I don't know I guess what I'm trying to say is like do you think your specific regret is just not kind of reaching out to the community and kind of like expressing what you're going through and like using them as a support system to be able to keep helping them no no I did that and that's what caused like that comment that I was talking about earlier to go about no Um, I mean like after the impact of that Oh, yeah, no, I, I regret not, like, reaching out more in those mm, months. I, I see. completely radio silent, because I shouldn't have gone radio silent. That's not, wasn't healthy, you know? I I respect that mentality, uh, like, really just that sort of noble altruism, trying to foster a sense of community, yeah. So, um, did you ever end up, like, collaborating on anything? Is there, like, a sense of camaraderie between TF2 YouTubers? Um, yes, actually. I recently got in contact with a couple up-and-comers, like El Maxo. And uh, Weezer, who I actually used to play Highlander with that I didn't know, but he reached out to me and said, like, hey, I recognize you, bro. How you doing? I was like, I've seen your videos. Who are you? And he, like, let me know of an old alias that he used to go by. I was like, that guy, I used to play with you. What's up? And, like, we we talked. We've been talking for the past couple of days. I'm a mod on his new Discord server that's been popping off lately. His videos are doing really good. Uh, El Maxo's great. He's a really funny guy. I was in, like, this small YouTuber circle Discord for a while, but I left that after I stopped doing YouTube for a little bit. Um, there were some people in there that I wish I hadn't associated with. I won't name them for evident reasons, but I feel like they were very, they negatively impacted my image, which sounds like off, but like, I, I, I'd I'd like to keep my image, you know, good. I don't want to be seen as like this, this anchor to like other YouTubers. They have like a bad rep for being like just bad people in general, you know? Right. Okay. But I, I feel like there is like a night, there's like a tightly knit sense of camaraderie between TF2 YouTubers. I was a part of the Drop of Delight charity event last year where I played with uh, pros and YouTubers like Jay Hyunpei, uh, Whammo, uh, Uncle Dane showed up for a couple minutes, I think. Uh, uh, Anomi here was there for that event as well, and he played. Uh, we we did like prop hunt. Uh, pastime. It was. It, it was a really. It was a really fun time. It was. It was casted for about eight hours. We raised over ten thousand dollars for charity. Hmm. I see. And what is that something you'd recommend other people go back and watch, like the drop of delight? Um, if you want to. Okay. Yeah. You can't donate to it anymore because the donation's closed. But it was a very. Right. It was a very fun event that I'm glad I got to take place in. Right. Like, do you think the sentiment of it is like still kind of important? Just like the sense of community oh. it brings. Of course, because the charity was based around, like, giving clean water to countries that just didn't have supplies of clean water, you know? Right, right. Drop of delight, just, you know, a spark to help, you know, lighten up the waters of, you know, muddied third world countries that don't get enough support. Right, and, like, a way for the community to really come together and contribute on something meaningful, right? Yeah, and it was was really great. I thought it was really fun. Hmm. Okay. So, do you have any advice to, like, up-and-coming content creators? Truth be told... No, I don't. Because I'm just going to tell you that the getting relevant in TF2 YouTube is pure luck. It is just luck. I had no expectations of any videos of mine to do well. Some advice. 
leech off of other people for clout. Do not feel shameful for that. Always, if you have the chance to leech for clout, do it. Damn. Hey, don't don't be a grifter to do that because then you'll be a piece of shit. But like, if you have the opportunity to like gain some sort of following out of being noticed by proxy of another person that you know all for it like i plan on getting like anomi here as much exposure for his art as i possibly can in the upcoming months because he deserves it his art is fantastic and he has nowhere near the amount of uh attention he needs like uh the guy that drew my youtube banner and my youtube profile picture uh nikki morrow i gave him like a shit ton of publicity and he got like just commissions coming in left and right i see people in pubs with his profile pictures and i'm very happy that i was able to give him do that. you have a uh, profile for um nikki morrow? both of them yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then, like, any artwork of them that you'd also like display it, to display of, like, Onormi, for instance? Uh, Nikki Morrow has it on his profile, actually. I will send you a link. Here. Okay. That's that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> there you go. That's Nikki Morrow. Uh, and Blake's account is... Right here. Alright. Yeah, I definitely respect that sort of like giving back to the community as well, giving people a chance yeah. to like be recognized it, for their deeds. There are people more talented than me that are like a thousand times less known than me, and I think that's extremely unfair. Right. I really respect the first part of your answer. It's just like so refreshing and genuine, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's some pretty interesting and stylized artwork from a Nikimaro kind of like yeah. anime ish chibi, I guess in specific, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's what I admired so much. I just like the just the cute little chibi art style. I was like, yeah, that's that's really right. good. I, I, I would dig to have, have a profile picture like that, and that's what I use for my YouTube. And you feel like maybe, yeah, that was like kind of representative of yourself, yeah? In a sense? Sort of. I feel like it more fit the vibe of my channel. Like, just kind of like this easygoing, really soft channel that you could just kick back in the in the background and listen to while you, uh, <clears throat> while you like, played TFT or something. More, kind of like a podcast kind of vibe, you know? Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, do you have any, like, sort of examples or, like, things you'd want to talk about of your interactions in the community as a content creator, like, specific memories? Specific memories I have of being a content creator? Yeah, like, in the community, um, like, maybe any in, specifically in the competitive side of the community as well? I don't think anybody on the competitive side really acknowledges me as a YouTuber. They just kind of acknowledge me for my history in the competitive scene. That's fair. Um, which, which is fair because, you know, the, the content that I make isn't really towards competitive players. Like it's not the kind of shit that they would dig or something like that. Um, if I exclusively did that, I would be competing with the only known competitive streamer in the world, which is Banny. Bang. And of course they're going to choose Banny over me, which is, is fair. That's just how you play your cards in the whole like content creation game. You have to realize who you're competing with and who can you potentially outdo to gain those followers. You know? So like viewing it a bit more like analytically, like as a business yeah, because, oh god, because it's a passion project, but, like, it's, there's obviously some analytical stuff that you need to take into account. Right, right, like, figure out what your niche is. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you've had a lot of experience, you've, like, just been able to plan a lot of it out, yeah. Okay. It's pretty neat to hear. Like, there are some, like, small things you can do, like, upload at a specific time on a specific day. Scheduling, make sure yeah. Tags, make sure your tags are full. Make sure your, des your description is, like, keyword rich. Have, like, a very outgoing... I got humbled, like, crazy recently because I started this new short video series called Should It Be Nerfed? 
Uh, I have two out right now, one about the Iron Bomber, one about the Scorch Shot. And I had a I had a thumbnail for my Iron Bomber one that wasn't very good. I threw it together in like five minutes because I needed a thumbnail. And my friend Emily, God bless her, she's a sweetheart, she hit me up and said like, your thumbnail sucks. I was like, oh, okay. And then they just sent me one that they made in Photoshop that was infinitely better i was like oh we're good all right yeah damn that's just that's good thank you so i use that and she actually makes my thumbnails now she has been very generous in making my thumbnails for the past couple of videos and there's this one that's upcoming that i really like uh the map it's a video about hydro believe it or not oh i love tc hydro it's a very very overlooked map and i want to get that message out hmm. i definitely agree yeah it's a bit of a relic uh if i may ask how do you feel about cp snowplow though CP Snowplow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, That was the one that came out not on end of the... It was the one that was supposed to come out on end of the line. Right. The middle, right? Too confusing yeah. for new players in Valve's words. Yeah, holy shit. That was a meme in the community that was ran into the ground up until Jungle Inferno. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a disappointment, to say the least, because it's just not... It was an unfinished map when it came out. It wasn't finished. There were literally exposed dev textures and unfinished skyboxes. I don't yeah. I don't think it's a good map to this day. I think it plays very poorly. I think it's just boring. I think there's infinitely better payload maps you could be playing that are less gimmicky and are just... Because there's a difference between fun, fun complicated, and annoying gimmicky, you know? Right, right. Like, Koth Trainsaw Laser. There's a reason that's not, like, a real map, because that's just an annoying gimmick map. But, like, you have, like, these genuine maps, like TC Hydro, that are trying to do something deviated from, like, the norm of, like, what Team Fortress gameplay is, even though it's an old, old map. It was one of the original six. That just doesn't get played because it, you don't know how to play it. Valve doesn't explain it to you yeah. properly. And it's just, like, hidden away be behind, like... <laughs> years and years of time. And, like, right. infinitely more maps that are easier to play. Because most maps are very linear. You go one way or you don't move. Uh, like payload, if you're not on the cart, you're in the wrong area. Capture the flag, you got one place to go and one place to take your flag back. Uh, control point, you move forward to the point and you're there and you're winning. Pretty much just how it's played. Right, right. Okay. So, let's go back to an earlier topic, yes. Yeah, so, uh, what were some of your, like, what initially got you into competitive? How did you initially get into it? I met this guy. This is a story. I met this guy on a on a on a Valve server back when they were called Valve servers, not casual servers. Um, and his name is Andrew. He's a very good guy. He was a couple years older than me, but he was pretty much like a mentor for me, in a way. Not not in like a like a like a groomer kind of way, like you know, like <laughs> like you know that. Which not know, not a pyro player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> He was a good guy. Uh, he played Soldier, and he taught me how to play Demo. And he asked me if I wanted to play Demo for his uh, ESEA team, because he saw potential in me. We weren't a very good team, but he taught me a lot about just how the game ran, how it played. Um, just taught me how to get my bases set, and just how to be a better person. Uh, little known fact, well not little known fact, kind of just an out there fact. Uh, I am I'm queer, I'm pansexual. Uh, I used to... I used to identify as gay because I thought I was just 100% gay. I thought I liked just guys. And I told him that. I think he was the first person to ever find out online that I was gay. And he encouraged me to come out. So I did. I came out to my friend Matthew first back in 2015. Then I came out to my parents a couple months later. 
and they did divorced four months later. So, you know, uh, but he, he's the one that encouraged me to like, accept who I am. Don't repress that. If I had never met Andrew, I probably would have never come out as gay. I never would have pursued that. And it probably would have just been locked away to the back of my mind. And I would have been a very unhappy person just locked in a relationship I wasn't happy with, but I embraced it. And, you know, I explored my sexuality. I tried to be a better person, but we're, we're deviating a little far off. Um, so right. I met, I met Andrew and he got me into competitive TF2. Um, and I played with him pretty much every subsequent season of sixes up until August of 2015, where he passed away. Uh, he died of a terminal brain tumor that, um, was just irreversible by the time they figured out it was there. Uh, he passed, um, and I have nothing more to say about that. Just Andrew got me into competitive TF2 and he taught me to be a better person. That's all I can really say. And do you have any like favorite teams or experiences from those years from what you've done in competitive? Kool Aid Trap. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, that, that's, a, that's a fun team, but like you know, for the first season we played, it wasn't really all that fun. It was just kind of like just some fun friends dicking around in RGL. Um, there was an ESEA team that I played on called A Squad, um, and it, uh, it was me, Andrew, and four other players. We played I Am ESEA I Am. And uh, it was a fun season. We actually went fourth place in the IM season. And then we just stopped. Cold Turkey just didn't play it. And we moved back to UGC where we played uh, we played Silver and Plat 6v6. Uh, and that was that was fun. But we never got around to playing like an official season. And then we just kind of went back to being like a little pug, like a, like a, like a scrim menace team. <laughs> until Andrew passed away. And then I started playing Highlander more and more and more and more. And I just stopped playing sixes altogether for a couple of years. <laughs> And what's what's your opinion on like Highlander versus Sixes community wise? Like, was there sorts of like different cultures? There's a very different culture to the six v six and Highlander community, which is weird because I feel like there's already enough division in TF2's community as is. I feel <laughs> like a division within the most niche part of the community is not healthy for the competitive scene. And there are a lot of there are a lot of Highlander players who play Sixes, and there's a lot of Sixes players who play Highlander. But there's always going to be those just weird, spearheaded elitists that are like, "Oh, six v six is the superior game mode," or "No, Highlander is just way more fun." Like, I'm of the opinion that six v six is the core TF2 game mode, but I feel like that doesn't make Highlander irrelevant. Hmm. Highlander is very relevant. Highlander is very fun. I love Highlander. So, what's the main difference between like the cultures? Like, what are what's some of the lore and difference there? Well, 6v6 has been around since the beginning, and Highlander didn't really start picking up until 2009-2010. Right. Uh, that's the first things first, is that most people started out competitive TF2 by playing 6v6. That, and balancing and playing Highlander is a lot harder to get off the ground, trying to organize nine people, especially if you want to do like a land, because there was a Highlander land that was going to happen that just didn't happen, you know? Uh, because it was too hard to get nine people together to go to one specific place to play on a team. Comms get garbled too easy. It's so easy to spearhead nine players. That, and I feel like the game just wasn't made for 9v9 without like a shitload of weapon bans that go into place, which is why the RGL whitelist is a thing, which thank God it is, because if it wasn't, that would blow. We'd be seeing Machina snipers and Scorch shot pyros everywhere. That would be the meta. <laughs> I had to go on the forum wars for that, man. Had to fight many a battle to get the Scorch Shot band. <laughs> okay, so... <clears throat> when... What, 
why do you think like the sort of division is just due to the difference in like when the modes started out? I feel like part of it is because ESCA. Well, oh. I loved ESCA so much. I think ESCA was the best way to play competitive TF2. I'm very sad that it's gone. I feel like because that was like the top of the top for TF2, I feel like the division between Highlander and Sixes has become less so since the main competitive league hosts both of them, but the premier competitive TF2 experience back then only supported 6v6, and that made a lot of people not take Highlander very seriously. I still feel like a lot of people don't take Highlander seriously. I feel like everybody should take the competitive integrity of the game very seriously, but, you know, there's always just going to be those people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do you think all of that competitive experience sort of, like, helped you start out as a content creator? Did it give interesting perspective and just sort of, like, balancing analysis, sort of? Yeah, I feel like I, I have a deep and intricate enough understanding of how the game, like, plays and flows to, like, know what would be healthy and what isn't healthy for the game. Because right now, I feel like there isn't anything too egregious about TF2's balance. I feel like if there was anything at all that is slightly warranted of the tiniest, idiest, bittiest nerf is the Scorch Shot, primarily Agreed. because of, like, you know, the lingering time and how little counterplay there is if you get caught by that projectile. Right. Um, so what do you think of the TF2 YouTubers say like get into all this drama about like weapon balancing then? Give me an example. Like I think like Zesty Jesus or Ray Seven, just sort of like oh, those no. No. <laughs> oh, no. Those that name. That's no, not a good vibe. No, those back and forths about this, like just balancing this, uh, competitive there, versus casual balancing. I'm, I'm just going to be straight. I don't like Zesty Jesus. I think his mere presence is very harmful to the community. He's a very hot... I think he's a good guy, but he's a very hot-headed and very controversial YouTuber. Most people know him because he's just straight up a transphobe. Like, and I think that's fucked up because I'm a very firm supporter of trans mm. rights. Um... I think I think that should be evident for reasons I won't say, but like, um, I feel like he has a lot of really bad takes about the game and just things in general. Like, oh, we should be allowed to say slurs because you shouldn't give words power. That's so stupid because that's just going to give people who actually mean those hurtful things like grounds to actually say it and just spread hate speech, which nobody fucking wants. Right. So don't be a dipshit. That doesn't even, I don't even want to talk about the shit he talked in his video. Cause I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real. I, I watched it once and was like, this is just brain rot. Cause it didn't make any sense. His perspective on the game doesn't make sense to me. It's like, we're playing two different games. Right. Okay. What it feels like. So how do you feel about just like the general idea of like, just, casual balance versus competitive balance though do you think that's a thing that can kind of coexist that doesn't really get properly approached or represented i'm a firm idea of the believer of trickle down balance i feel like if it is viable at the highest level of competitive play and it is balanced there it is balanced everywhere okay yeah it's sort of like the kind of answer to the question i was pressing earlier but uh, i definitely do appreciate the insight into just sort of the community happens there yeah all right so what was it like playing back in ESCA versus playing in RGL 6 um, is white? It was a whole different vibe, really. Um, it felt like there was a... It was more professional. 
ESCA admins were very, 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 very professional, very stern. Uh, they also didn't play. ESCA admins didn't actively play in the community. They weren't actively involved all that much. ESCA was a lot more well set up. It had prize pool. It had more like officially sponsored prize pools because ESCA was doing more than just TF2. They're, they're still doing CSGO and 1.6. Uh, they're like doing their own and had its own pug system that people don't play anymore and haven't played in a long time. But ESCA was the most professional competitive TF2 ever was. And I feel like that was very healthy for people that wanted to genuinely improve at the game. Because if you wanted to know where you stood in competitive TF2, go play ESCA and see how you stack up against some of the people that are trying their absolute asses off to be the best they can be. So you think like that sense of professionalism is something that ESA did like a lot better than at RGL? Absolutely, and it's not even a competition. Okay. Is there anything you think RGL does better at than ESCA? No. No? No. Nothing at all. Okay. Like neither. Maybe setting up LAN events. Okay. Yes. RGL LAN still does LANs. ESCA stopped doing ESCA LANs after season eighteen. Okay. Now, also, sorry, yeah, that's another land. I went to six lands. ESCA land was in Dallas, Texas, so I went to that because that's like 20 minutes away from me. Right. The, um, the other ones I had to travel for. So how do you feel about just like RGL at administrative level, though, like their rulings and whatnot compared to ESCA? And the very, very unprofessional. I think mm, RGL okay. admins are a mess. Uh, there are RGL admins that are getting into drama left and right with just normal players, and I feel like that's ridiculous. I feel like if you're an admin, you should hold yourself to the highest possible standard because you are representing the league as it stands on a fundamental standpoint. Like, if you are an admin of RGL, you are the representing factor of what makes that league what it is, and that is, as of now, the premier way to play competitive TF2. Hmm. And have you ever thought about just like applying to RGL and trying to correct some of that? No, 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 no. Never in my fucking life would I ever be an admin for RGL. You don't want to go to prison? No. <laughs> Never. RGL prison. Pretty much. No, it, it would suck being an RGL admin because no one would take you seriously because of the rep that they already have. No, I, I definitely like, get that. I feel like in order to get back to that level of professionalism, start over, make a whole new league, like have like somebody prominent, like, ba like Banny. I feel like if Banny took over RGL and reformatted it, it would be amazing. Because <laughs> Banny has a Banny has a really good and respectful vision for the game. He wants to keep the core fundamental ideas of what makes TF2 TF2, but he's riding on the fact that this game will have another competitive resurgence. And if we keep going down the path that we're going right now, it's never going to happen. Hmm. Okay. So what do you think RGL can kind of do to correct itself? Like, where does RGL go from here? What's their plan let for go of, Let go of all its admins and just hire more competent ones. That's all I'm saying. And, I mean, there, are some, there are some good RGL admins, but like, you know, take all the ones that are like constantly getting into shit, remove them, and have like just a better system for like applying bans and shit. Because there are a lot of players who are banned for the stupidest reasons, like, um, and it's unfair. For example, for, for, very much example. This is going to be a little controversial. Okay. Do you remember the Nursey controversy? Yes. Nursey is a very good friend of mine. I hold a lot of respect for her as a person. I think she's a fantastic human being. And it's very sad to see that the lies that spread about her around that controversy happened. She is not a pedophile. She is not a child molester. She is not any sort of groomer or like criminal that people paint her out to be. There are people that have done far more egregious things than she was even accused of with firm evidence. And on her profile... 
it is stated that she sexually harassed minors. While on other people's profile, it just says like broke code of conduct. There's a sense of favoritism or like uh, targetism amongst RGL admins. And I feel like that is very evident and it's very unfair. Nursi needs her ban stripped off her profile. She did absolutely nothing wrong. And she was very healthy for the game because she was one of the best goddamn medic players to ever do it. Hmm. Okay. That's a pretty interesting take. All right. Very, very specific circumstance, but that's just what came to mind. No. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So you think they just need to, like, yeah, like, revise their rulings? Also, I'm sorry. Bring back Badlands and Granary, please. Please! <laughs> so, do you think there's, like, there'd be, like, enough volunteers, though, if RGL did hypothetically do that with their staff members? If it had the proper financial backing, yes. Hmm. So you think RGL needs to just, like, go into officially hiring people not dealing with volunteers anymore if they want to sort of progress? Maybe not official hires right now, because I know RGL doesn't have that much money. If the main prize pool for the top division is under $1,000, that's kind of kind of something. Yeah, so what do you think the answer is then if they don't really have the finances to incentivize people to actually apply, that's, be staff? That's part, of, part of why I say they just need a hard reset, because I don't know where they could potentially go from here. I'm hoping for a pleasant surprise, because I want to see TF2 get a huge competitive resurgence. That would be amazing. If TF2 was the next big esport after 15 years, Melee has an official Nintendo-sponsored circuit for their competitive play. That is fucking bonkers. There is no reason TF2 can't have one. No reason. Hmm. Okay. TF2 is such an underrated esport. It flows perfectly for esports. It is a it has a high and hard to reach skill ceiling. It's fun, and it takes a lot of team coordination that helps team building. I feel like it is like the perfect esport that never properly was. I agree. Yeah. So, do you think it's the sort of thing where, like, even if they don't have the finances for it, if RGL kind of just like tries to do like a refresh of sorts and build back good faith with the community, they would be able to attract more volunteers? Then. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Okay. Definitely not a perspective you hear every day. Nah. Nah. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason for this sort of stuff, you know, just getting some of that insight, getting some of those perspectives I'm out there. I'm just happy that there's something that is popular. Like, RGL is popular. Very popular now. <laughs> very happy that it's, like, keeping the community, the competitive community afloat. I will give them that much credit, is that they are where competitive is harbored right now. And are there any, like... RGL staff members that you think are just like do a particularly good job that are worth bringing note to. It's easy to just look at the bad and critique that, but um, Will Matic, Michaelele, uh, Sigafu when he was working on RGL, I feel like Sigafu was very well leading that that mm. thing. I don't know why he stepped down. Uh, there are some very specific ones that I think have been let go or have stepped down that I'm very glad they did because there was some very evident bias. You cannot have bias as an like, as an esports league admin, you can't. That's stupid. Hmm. So what do you have to say to the statement that pretty much, like, everybody has bias regardless of what they're doing or their perspective? Like, no learn matter to, how... Learn to be an adult and put it aside when you need to. Everybody has hmm. bias. Okay. Fucking duh. Everybody has bias. I have bias towards my two ferrets. Over, over <laughs> Fair admins? Yeah, I would rather see these fuckers as admins over something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Real. Let, 
Well, let me uh, let me let me grab one of them. See what they have to say. Admin Tina, Chairman Tnug. <laughs> could be a new direction for Joe. Could really appeal to like the furry audience, you know, non-negligible exactly. portion of the player base. I mean that that is the majority. This is this is stinky. Uh, the camera's off, by the way. Oh, okay, you're just turning back on. This is stinky. And uh. He would make a fantastic RGL admin. What's what's his platform? What are his views on RGL? Uh, he thinks they should just remove Highlander and Sixes and just go back to 4v4. <laughs> Yo, the other one's out of the cage! Yo! What up, buddy? Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, speaking of competitive formats, something that they should definitely bring back and like make a whole season about, even if it has no prize pool, Arena Respawn was very interesting and unique. Hmm, okay. Oh yeah, that, that was a, definitely an interesting one for a bit, yeah. Uh, so, how do you feel about just the appearance of all those people you mentioned, either like being made step down by the community or stepping down by their own choices at this point? I feel like this one particular person that I was specifically talking about, whose name I won't mention for the sake of professionalism. No, I um, meant like um, the ones that you uh, like thought do, did a good job, like Michael A. Lay Wilmatic. Oh, yeah. Wait, have they both stepped down? Yeah. Oh, that sounds Wilmatic just um, this season for Highlander, in fact. Wow, really? Yeah, constantly is the new item. Do you got like any input on that? I don't know who that is. To be that's real, fair. I have no idea who that is. So, um, <laughs> I mean, that's sad. Wilmatic was a very competent and very professional admin. I feel like he was what most RGL admins should try to be. Hmm. Okay. Buddy, you want to say hi to? This is T Nug. What div is he? He doesn't like TF2. He plays Overwatch. Ah, what 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 character? He plays uh plays Mercy. Hmm. So there's actually like a lot of drama in the Highlander community over just like Wilmatic and what people said his decisions were. Is that something you like witness much of and have much of an opinion on? I don't know anything about it to be honest. I didn't know there was drama surrounding Wilmatic at all. Fair enough then. Not really something I can ask you about. Um. So. Are you familiar with, like, the RGL YouTube channel? Uh, the one that they stream, like, matches on? Yeah. Uh, I thought they just primarily streamed on Twitch. Uh, well, for a bit, like, with Maven, for instance, while he was the head of the video team, they did a lot of, like, sort of, like, things on the side, and ever since he stepped down, like, from my understanding, it's just, like, nobody else has really been around to, like, do content on the RGL YouTube channel and promote the game that way. And I was just wondering, like, do you think maybe it could be time for RGL to, like, reach out to community members, like, content creators such as yourself and sort of have them do community content for RGL? I would absolutely be down to do that. I think that would be fantastic, both for the League and just the game in general. I think that'd be great to, Mm. like, take my own abilities into account to, like, reach out and, like, just shout it out that this is a thing you know you there's competitive tf2 believe it or fucking not there are people that have thousands of hours in this game that have no idea what rgl is right so is that something you'd like personally be interested in reaching them out to let's say after this totally yeah i would i would love to do that absolutely hmm okay yeah maybe you should go and do that then yeah they really need uh, like yeah I, this one, I'm not sure when it's going to come out in relation to the Maven one, but uh, yeah, and that one is just like, he did a lot of things on the site, he did a lot of like content for the original YouTube channel, but then it's just like, after he stepped down, like, nobody really has the free time anymore. So it's just like, yeah, and maybe that's something you could help with, or like, 
other members yeah. of the community could help with, yeah. You think I I think I could totally do that actually. Hmm. Alright, that's pretty interesting. Um Yeah, I feel like that could definitely be positive for the community, just like more community initiative there, right? Like that could help kind of bridge some of the gap with RDL's issues, right? Like it could help the community be able to influence things more. Yes, absolutely. I'd say that'd be pretty good for the game. So kind of going on to like the topic of the community, right? How were lands like what were they like for you? Oh, so chill. Such a tightly knit, just group of gamers doing their thing. Pugs, official matches, going out back, smoking pot. It was so fun. At, well, not the Birmingham lands, because if you smoked pot there, you got shot by the police. Or, sorry, not shot. You get beat with a baton by the police. <laughs> okay, then. We're, we're in the UK. Uh, so, I feel like Rewind 2 and 3 specifically were really... Re sorry, RGB 2 and 3. There wasn't a Rewind 3. Um, RGB 2 and 3 were my two favorite lands to go to. Because they were they were in Cal they were in the Golden State, California. It was very fun to head over there. I always love going to California. It's just so fun to travel. I'm a very wanderlust person. Uh, I'd go over there, set up, play some pugs, uh, chill with some people that I knew from competitive. Maybe go up to some hotel rooms, smoke, uh, just kick back and relax. You know, it's fun to like just get to get get together with like all these like culturally similar people because there's a specific culture to tf2 and competitive tf2 specifically there's a specific like humor to it there's a specific like vibe to it that just can't be matched anywhere else right you can't find it anywhere it, it's different but it's familiar and i like it and what was it like being able to like meet all those people that you knew online and tf uh like from tf2 in person did it really like just like change your sense of connection to them would the you say lands time, were important for that the first time i met banny i was starstruck Absolutely, because I was like, "Wow, this guy is like infinitely better than the game." I mean, but nowadays, if I were to see if I were to see Banny at like Philly Land in June, I'd be like, "Yeah, oh, what's up, dude? How you doing, Grant?" <laughs> you know, it'd, be, it'd be it'd be like super chill just to like say hi. I feel like everybody like knows each other, you know? Right, right. Okay. And it's just like important for the state of the game. Yeah, you think that was something that was sort of like lacking during COVID, for instance. Yeah, the fact that all those lands like uh there I think there was an I series that got canceled. That sucked. Um and they don't do I series anymore. And then of so course RGB land RGB got canceled. That I was very very sad about that. Hmm. Uh there was an RGL land that got canceled. Uh I I think there was an ESA land that got just totally right. fucking canned because of COVID. And do you think that like impacted the sense of community a lot and just like hurt the game kind of a little bit. I feel like a lot of people really lost their morale because LAN is the thing that everyone looks forward to. All like the diehard competitive fans are like, holy right. shit, yeah, LAN's coming up. It's going to be so fun because LAN is just that place where everybody can just get together maybe once or twice a year and just chill, recon reconcile with each other, make it feel like it's real, you know? Because like there's only there's, – it can only feel so real over the internet. That and 5ping is just right. the best. <laughs> 5ping is awesome, man. I love it. Okay, so we, do you want to talk about like just sixes player like sixes for a bit sixes culture? It's I've covered Highlander a lot, but it's just like I don't have nearly as much insight coming up here on sixes. So are there like any sorts of topics you think would be interesting cover like to be covered surrounding that? Sixes has for years been seen as the main way to play competitive TF2. And I am a thir I thoroughly agree with that statement. I feel like 6v6 is just the way that TF2 is meant to be played competitively because it's the easiest to balance. Uh, there's been an established meta for it for 15 years. 
Uh, it has never not been two scouts, two soldiers, a demo and a medic. It has never not been that. Um, I feel like they need to branch out or go back and get old maps that have since not been played. Like, like I mentioned earlier as a joke, like Badlands and Granary. I'm not kidding. I think those maps were amazing. I loved Badlands and Granary so much, and I feel like they need to come back. Maybe RGL can play like a like a weekend classic map cup where we play like Badlands, Process, Snake Water, Granary, Gravel Pit, you know, all that shit. If you if you want to go if you want to go way way back to like season one of six v six EGC, let's play Dust Bowl Pro. Let's see the fuckers remember that <laughs> map. I have that map downloaded. Hmm. Okay. That map is fantastic. All right. So, what do you see the future of TF two as? Where do you think it goes from here, like competitively and casually? If you want the truth, yeah. I'm don't know and i'm more leaning towards this game is still on the steady decline i feel like casually this game will never die but i feel like eventually the competitive waterfall will dry out because like it's been drying out for years esea went down ugc is no longer the premier way to like get into it nobody even has even heard of tf2 center uh competitive tf2 just is nowhere near what it used to be and i want it to be more but i don't know how it's gonna do that because the the future of tf2 in general is very vague uh there is a supposed update on the horizon that's supposed to be coming out at the end of this year whether that be a major content update or a huge bug patch to like fix the bot problem is left up to debate and you could really like say anything and probably be as likely to happen as anything else but TF2 as a game right now is in a weird state of limbo where it could potentially go either way. It could crash and burn or it can grow wings and rise again. I don't know. Right. Um, okay. I do have some ideas that, like, about maybe of how that could sort of, like, how you could kind of bring interest back to competitive, right? Keep it going, keep it being healthy. So I think it could be really interesting if we saw RGL just sort of like reaching out to content creators and just sort of having them bring interest back to the game, right? Reviving the sense of a community within a community, right? Like yeah. of community within the community, rather. That leads into another topic that I feel like I mentioned Zesty Jesus earlier, right? Yeah. Um, he made a video last year called The Future is Casual. And I like the sentiment of where he's going, but I feel like he's a little fire under the ass for no reason, where he basically shit-talked competitive TF2 for no reason. He has played one season of competitive TF2 and he got absolutely shit-rolled in it, and I think he's just angry. But that's mm. just my opinion. Um, so a lot of people are under the impression that competitive TF2 is just this evil, toxic side of the community that you never want to interact with, but I personally think the opposite. I feel like the concentrated amount of toxicity in competitive TF2 is infinitely less than casual. You could go into Uncle Topia and you're more likely to be shit-talked than like in like a like a like an RGL pug or something like that. There's like a sense of family. Everybody wants to see everyone improve. Right. There'll be some locker room talk. Everyone will be like, oh, this player is so shit. But it's obviously lighthearted. Nobody wants anybody to suffer. People want to see others improve. Okay. Um, so do you think maybe there's like a niche that could be filled, like just in regards to competitive content creation to like make it more accessible to sort of like humanize it to ca the casual players? 
create a new website like TF2 Lobby and TF2 Center, but make it a lot easier to understand. Make it like a third-party queue system, like like what Faceit did, but don't do what Faceit did, because I feel like Faceit had a fucking great idea going, but they just could not keep it up, because Faceit's incompetent. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of interesting. Or you'll yeah. like reach out, like Sigafu with Faceit. Yeah, bit of a collapse face there. It, face it could have been a, an amazing thing, but it just wasn't. Yeah. So, how do you feel about Uncle Topia? Uh, probably the best way to play TF2 when casual servers are literally unplayable. Hmm. Uncle Topia is low ping, well put together servers, very respected content creators backing them, all that shit. You know. Right. Right. I mean, I'm I'm queued up for an Uncle Topia right now. So. <laughs> Gaming. Because because it's full at two in the morning. Wow. Because if you if you try to play casual at any time past midnight central time, it'll just be filled with bots because nobody's playing. People got work, people got jobs, people got to go to school. But again, do you think uh, to get back to the previous question though? Do you think there's like a direct need for just like more sorts of like positive Team Fortress Two competitive content, like yeah, on like, YouTube, for instance? There was an old Muzelk video called uh, "Getting Competitive." where he basically gave competitive TF2 a huge shout out. I feel like somebody prominent like that again needs to make another video. Like if mm. Lazy Purple or Uncle Dane made a video talking strictly about competitive TF2, I feel like that would be so beneficial for the longevity of competitive TF2 and just TF2 in general. Uh how would you feel about the idea of just like competitive players and like like reaching out and just kind of like collaborating with those sorts of casual content creators or competitive players working together to create content do you think that would be a really good thing as the middle ground as both a content creator and a competitive tf2 player i feel like that would be a very beneficial thing that hmm. but i'm not sure how it would go about having that happen because i don't know how enthusiastic some of those players are about playing competitive right. TF2. I know Uncle Dane has played competitive TF2 before. I know Lazy Purple is currently active playing Highlander this season. I am just unsure if they want that big boost in competitive TF2. I don't know if they have the same idea as me that competitive TF2 mm -hmm. is healthy for the game. I feel like any sense of competition is very important for any game. Right. Strive. Like Counter-Strike would be dead if there were no esports for Counter-Strike. So do you think maybe just like a community discord or something and just like a place for people to start kind of like getting a middle ground on these things to start like just maybe planning this sort of community initiative out would be like a good thing and maybe something you or other people would like be interested a, in doing like like a discord for a bunch of like content creators and community figures to like talk about an initiative plan yeah yeah and just sort of see thing where things go from there maybe but i have no idea how that would get started unless like a content creator like as big as uncle dan like reached out and was like hey i need people to like help me with this project i would totally get backed on that i, I would back that in an instant i think that would be fantastic mm. do you think that's like what the future of competitive needs i feel like that's something that can be done but i feel like there are many things that could potentially happen right like, it could just be it could just be sheer luck like valve could just come out of nowhere and say like hey we're gonna throw about a hundred thousand dollars into a competitive tf2 pool like that would be that would breathe some fucking life into yeah. doing competitive in general. I just mean from like the community itself directly. 
Yeah, like if we just had a couple content creators just pop out a video or two saying like, hey, this is competitive to you. Right. Or maybe just like collaborate on like long-term projects together. Like an idea I think back to a lot is just like, I'm not sure how familiar with Highlighter, but like the old class roundtables, I feel like those were like Ooh. a really like beneficial thing that allowed people to come together and collaborate on these sorts of things and make it like a lot more accessible kind of, you know, yeah, to yeah, really yeah. revive interest and generate it. Totally. It, it needs that spark. Right. So how do you think we get to that point? Like, We get a word out, and if people are interested, people are interested, and if they're not, oh well. Hmm. Okay. And do you think that would be something you'd be interested in, like, pursuing at all? I would absolutely love to um, reach out and, like, spread the good word of competitive TF2 because I'm passionate about it. I like competitive TF2. <laughs> I like TF2 in general. And right. if I can do my part to help it get what it needs to strive, ab absolutely I'll do that. Ow. <laughs> okay. So do you think that's just like in general like what we as a community could try and do going forward to try and like organize those community initiatives? Like, yeah, totally. Okay. Like you think that would probably be our best play, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um do you have any plans, like, personally? Like, what do you think your next move is as a competitive player and content creator? I'm going to go to land. That's going to be fun. Um, right. Content creation, I'm, I'm pretty much keeping my content pretty casual and just, like, trivia-filled for now. Um, I'm trying to be more outgoing with how I speak in my videos, because I don't know if you noticed, but if you watch, like, my first video and then my re most recent video, you'll notice a very strong difference in how I talk. My upbeat, like, very expressive speaking, I'm no longer, like, super... Mo like... I used to talk like this in every video that I ever made, and it kind of got annoying. Like, it, it was really stupid, because, like, nowadays, I actually have some, like, affliction to, like, how I speak. I'm very expressive. I'm expressive with my hands. I don't know if you noticed, I've been just doing this the whole time. Oh, it yeah. Helps, it helps me talk. It's expressive, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so are there any other, like things you'd really want to, like, talk about, or, like, questions you would want to ask and answer yourself? That is fantastic. That's a that's a fantastic question. Uh, so quick, I... quick, quick pause here. Um, yeah, Bacon. I think that your mic is doing that like robot thing again. Do you hear that, Blitz Tank? Ah, uh, yeah, I hear a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. Try unplugging and plugging your mic, Bacon. Because I think it was <laughs> when like you leaned back. Hello, 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 it's... hello, hello. Yeah, it's that like little like popping static thing. Yeah. When you when you speak when it. Let me just back away from my mic then. Is this good? Uh, yeah. Sounds better, I think. That's right, sick. Nah, it's still doing it. Oh, no. I can't really tell, honestly. My ears are broken. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was it was when you picked up your ferret that it started doing it. Oh, um, no. Ferret weapon. Bioweapon. Exactly. Tina would really just be on that shit. Tina got that EMP type <laughs> RGL spy. <laughs> Real doesn't want doesn't want you speaking that anti RGL propaganda. Sigafu <laughs> came directly from my microphone. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like RGL is the best we have right now, but the best we have is not good enough. Is what I want to say in short. Hmm. Okay. We could be doing so much better. We regressed when we let go of ESCA. Hmm. So. Okay. Uh, anything else?
Um, I have nothing off the top of my head that I really need to say. Okay. I said what was asked, and I can't really think of anything more yeah. to put out there. I feel like we've already covered, like, so much, yeah. Like, especially with just, like, content creation in the community itself. Um, okay. When do you think the game was at its healthiest competitively? Roughly around I-49. And uh, when would that be? Uh, that was 2013. I-49 was 2013. So I think around 2011 to 2013 is when Golden Age T competitive TF2 was a thing. There's there's two different things. There's competitive TF2's Golden Age, and then there's normal TF2's Golden Age. Those are very different times. Uh, competitive TF2's Golden Age was 2011 to 2013. Absolutely. I-49 was... There's like a, like a documentary-esque video about I-49 out that Lang himself actually narrates, and I thought that was very interesting. Uh, by the way, speaking of Lang, where did he go? I feel like Lang is a very concerning icon in the community because he's responsible for so many things. He's responsible for creating how logs worked and like setting those up for servers. He single-handedly programmed that whole thing. He's responsible for MGE in part. He's just helped the community in so many ways, and he disappeared in a very unhealthy and scary way. I'm very frightened for his health, and I hope he's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I heard, saw a thread about that before. He uploaded a bunch of videos talking about how, like, I'm being watched, we need to overthrow them and stuff. He got he went, like, full schizo for a while. Well, some of the shit he was saying was based as fuck, but, like... <laughs> based? Yeah, he just kind of vanished and was concerning. Deleted all of his videos, he deleted his Twitch, all of his socials are gone... Bro, he knew something that we didn't. Our jail was out he, to get him. Exactly. He saw, the, he saw the truth. The knowers got to him. He pondered he, the orb. He knew about the future of the Ukraine. <laughs> I have information crucial to the future of the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke about his Omegle shit. Yeah, he, he would go on Omegle. And there was a dude who um, said that and then just insta-disconnected. He didn't disconnect himself either. He was mid-word and he just vanished. Like, the feds actually got him. <laughs> okay. Like, that's, one of, that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite things to do is just get off the Delta, sit back with some analog horror, and just browse Omegle for an hour. It's so fun. <laughs> Interesting. So, um... Okay. What, um... Do you think there's any people who just, like, deserve a shout-out in the community, like staff members, uh, community influencers, players, competitively or casually? The Maxo is on the rise. He's very great. Um, Jass has a really bad rep for who he is. He seems like a really hard-shelled, kind of an asshole when you first meet him, but he has the sweetest intentions, and he's just such a phenomenal dude behind all that i think jazz is like one of the coolest people i've ever met and i respect him his talent and just how generally smart he is i think he's a great guy once you like actually get past all like the hardness behind him okay um he gets a bad rep because he got banned from etf2l and then he got banned from rgl for potentially cheating but he's not cheating he doesn't cheat hmm okay uh I'm trying to think of who else would be like really relevant of I can't think of anybody that doesn't already have like the the view the fucking uh 
the rep that they should. Like uh, if the world if the world were perfect, Banny would be the most prominent TF2 content creator in the world because he's the spearhead for competitive TF2. A lot of people know Banny but don't know of competitive TF2. People just see Banny as like this really good player who like sometimes plays super serious with five other people, you know? Yeah. Uh okay. And do you think there'd be any other interest like are there any people you'd be interested in seeing get interviewed? If you could get Banny, that'd be cool. If you if you could like get in contact with Banny for just a whole interview, <laughs> I think that'd be interesting. I am not sure how I'd go about that. <laughs> but shoot him, uh, shoot, him, shoot him a DM on Twitter. I assume he isn't like too hard to reach. You can shoot him an email, okay. add him on Steam. Just say like, hey, if you're interested in like doing like a small interview for like this like small community project, we would love to have you. You know. Yeah, tell him that Chairman T Nug sent you. Exactly. The comrade, uh, yeah, the new fa- the new face of uh, RGL is here, and he's here to like discuss the future of competitive TF2 with you. <laughs> furry gaming league, the only way to revive competitive. Draw the casual yeah. furries. And- a lot of lot of really bizarre. Lot of lot of lot of Highlander players are just furries. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Then I think. Uh, yeah. That's about it. All right. Anything final you want to say? Um. Glory be to the People's Republic, uh, long live Mao. Alright, do you have any, like, gestures, or, like, do you have any final plays while the video cam is on? Um. Um. (laughs) You you, you could get your Infinity Gauntlet and snap us away. I have no pants on. <laughs> okay, that's a power play. Uh, uh, here is Diodo. No, wa- walk up right now with your ass cheeks just out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I should stop the interview, but uh. And and, and do like the Tyler one walk. <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you have anything you want to say, Amori? Anything you want to ask or answer? Um, Amori. I'm Amori. Yeah, I'm the hit indie game Amori, and for real though, this is deodorant. Use yeah, it. use that. Use that. Anyone going to this land in Philadelphia? Use that shit. Oh yeah. Oh god, the smell. The smells. Do you have two lands are genuinely not the smelliest lands I've ever been to? Oh, I feel uh, like a lot of TF2 players really know about hygiene, which is baller, by the way. So, all right. I think that's a good note to end this on. Mm-hmm.